Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and we are going to talk to Matt Phillips, whose Rule of Thirds is episode 13 of A Grifter Song, which dropped on January 1st for season three. Now, I've had Matt on the show once before, as I mentioned in the interview, uh, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to hang out with him uh, uh, at uh, conferences. Uh, actually, I got to see him very briefly uh, when I was down in San Diego, which is his uh, home stomping grounds there. Uh, I was headed to uh, the one and only panel that I was able to be on in that very short conference and uh, passed him along the way and said a quick hello, uh, figuring I was going to get to hang out with him later that night or certainly during the conference. And that obviously didn't work out because uh, Left Coast Crime uh, San Diego in 2020 was canceled after one day due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so I had to fly home early and uh, that sucked for a variety of reasons, one of which was I didn't get to hang out with Matt who uh, the last time I hung out with him was at BoucherCon, and we had drinks with a mummy. Now, if you want to hear that story, uh, you need to go listen to his prior appearance uh, early in 2019. He tells the story and uh, talks about his other work. Uh, he's going to be here today to talk about a grifter song and his episode, The Rule of Thirds, uh, which takes place down in Tijuana and kicks off the season. Uh, coincidentally, a Grifter Song is uh, published by Down and Out Books, and Down and Out Books is the sponsor of this podcast. If you're wondering what Down and Out Books is, it is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, and uh, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that sounds like something you'd like, and if you listen to this podcast, I'm guessing there's a good chance it is, you can learn more at downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com, Down and Out Books. Take the journey with us. All right. Well, uh, let's let's find out more about uh, Matt Phillips and his experience uh, in a grifter song. Well, hey Matt, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Glad to be here as always. Uh, actually, I should say welcome back for those who want to learn more about your non-grifter song work, because that grifter song is what we're going to talk about here. Uh, you were on the show a while back. Yeah, I think it was back in the spring. Talk about my book, uh, You Must Have a Death Wish, uh, which came out, and uh, and some other stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, we talked about Countdown as well, which was the one I was reading at the time. Um, I, I do want to give you some props up front. You're probably going to blush, so it's a good thing this is audio only. Uh, but I do want to say that a, a lot of times when people are comparing writers and, and trying to praise them, you know, a lot of the the big names and masters get thrown in there, you know, for comparison, you know, he's a latter day, Joseph Wamba and things like that. Uh, and you get frequently compared to Elmore Leonard, uh, which is lofty praise and, and, and difficult to probably, uh, you know, come close to, uh, and one that gets tossed around quite a bit, frankly. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, of all the people who've been compared to Elmore Leonard, I think your style, uh, especially uh, in Countdown, comes the closest. Um, and and so if people dig Elmore Leonard and they want to read something in that vein, you're definitely a, a, a stepbrother or a cousin at the least. <laughs> Maybe a grandson. No, uh, if there's such thing as a verbal blush, that's what's happening now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. I mean, you know, obviously I think Elmore Leonard is... Um, sort of a touchstone in the crime fiction genre and, and in American literature, actually. But uh, I, I just try to keep it simple as far as the writing itself and the craft. And uh, 
um, just do my work every day and, um, you know, let whatever I do as a writer serve the story. That's kind of the important thing for me. And, uh, and I think that's what, uh, what he did as well. So. Yeah. Well, and I don't mean to imply that it's a carbon copy because it certainly isn't. You have your own distinct style. Uh, it just happens to be a style that I think, uh, uh, is, is very much, uh, in alignment with, with what, uh, Elmore Leonard brought to the game. And so fans of that kind of work would, would no doubt enjoy yours, but we're here today to talk about the release of the premiere episode of season three of a grifter song, the rule of thirds, uh, which you wrote. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm super stoked to be involved with this, uh, Really cool series, um, these amazing characters, and uh, just on, honestly, just um, uh, sort of humbled and thrilled to be on a slate of. I don't want to give away all the writers you've got coming up, but uh, well, let's just say it, they're, it's they're no more secret. famous than I am. <laughs> it's it's yeah. no secret; it's out there. You can you can name names. Where this isn't yeah, the well, author witness protection program or anything. <laughs> we might need that though you know after the series it's good stuff uh well you know you got sean essay Co- cosby uh, uh, writing the penultimate uh chapter or, or novella correct and then um jonathan brown you know some uh, some amazing writers uh, and i loved eric pruitt's uh, uh novella last year um in the grifter series so it, it's it's just a great i feel as if it's like an all-star team it's kind of like an all-star game you know you just can't help not watching because it's like, what's going to happen next? So that's kind of how I feel about it. You uh, actually kind of had one of the tougher jobs for this season because, number one, you're you're the premiere episode. Uh, the Rule of Thirds, uh, which will drop on the 1st of January, is the first episode of season three. But you also had to tie in a few uh, loose ends from the end of the previous season in the bonus uh, episode. Uh, as well as telling your own tale. So, you know, that was kind of a tough gig, uh, which you pulled off spectacularly. Um, Tease what uh, the rule of thirds is about, uh, what the story is about. And for people who don't understand that term, maybe can you lay that out? Yeah, absolutely. So really quickly, the rule of thirds is a a film term. It's a photography term, actually. So it's how you um, compose a photograph. You basically separate the the viewfinder into into thirds and, and then you put you center the things you want to focus and the points of interest. So where those thirds intersect, there's also an, a dual meaning to it, which is that, you know, we used, I used to make short films and we used to say, whatever you're going to do, mo- the time you think it'll take, multiply it by three. So we sort of played around with that and called that the multi, the role of thirds. Cause you know, if you think the shoot's going to take six hours, it'll take 18. Um, but uh, so that's kind of where the term comes from. So the, the story follows a young budding f- documentary filmmaker named Billy Jake. He's down in Tijuana, Mexico. He's looking for a subject to film his first feature length doc runs into Sam and Rachel and uh, the con ensues uh, on Rachel's behalf. And, uh, Basically, it, it's a it's a story about a young man who wants to tell a story so bad that he allows himself to get conned and uh, let that um, hunger for the story sort of draw him into this web of of deceit, really. And uh, yeah, that's sort of on, on the face of what it's about. And and it's um, you know it, it's a cartel story as well. Um, there's drugs involved and money, and uh, it's in some ways a commentary on North-South relations or North American relations between uh, uh, the United States and Mexico. So, yeah. Probably should mention that the majority of the story takes place in Tijuana, Mexico. 
That's correct. Yeah, the the location is Tijuana, and uh, we we had to get them down to Tijuana from Detroit, right? Uh, so um, it, it's a a pretty interesting way to write uh, to 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 move from some great stories that were previous into a new location with these these same characters um, and present a new character to them uh, was a really I think both challenging and exciting task for me as a writer. It's, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's the first time I've written with what we call a writer's Bible, right? Uh, like they do on, on a TV series. And so um, to take that process and sort of um, interlace it with my own writing process was a great growth opportunity for me. And I'm just super stoked with the story that's, that's come out. And um, I'm excited for people to read it. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's a great story, and I'm just incredibly excited. What was the most challenging part for you uh, with regard to the fact that you didn't have 100% control over over every aspect of it? There were foul lines that you had to play within characters that were already established that you had to remain true to. Uh, what what part of that was the most challenging for you? Well, I think just what you said, right? I mean, you, you know, you're really used to as a writer building everything yourself and and doing what you think is right and what serves your story and your characters. And, and so the challenging thing is you, you read this Bible, which is, you know, pretty thick and it's got all these details on what's happened in the plot and, and all the character traits. And you think to yourself, well, my God, it'd be so much easier if, you know, Sam or Rachel knew this or did this, <laughs> but, but they don't, they can't. And so it forces you to um, problem solve as a writer and, create situations that are, um, I think, really rich in a new way. Um, so that's a challenge, but that challenge, you know, paradoxically is also the most fun part of it, at least for me. Um, I also think that the other challenge is that you see this lineage of writers who've created great stories with these characters, and you don't want to be the guy to, to, to fail, essentially. It's sort of like, you know, you hear about a TV series and Everyone's like season one through three was great, but uh, season four sucked. You know, you don't want to be the <laughs> the, the penultimate <laughs> writer of season four, um, and so that that's definitely a challenge. And you just got to bring your A game. I think that's what it is. You got to bring your A game. Did you have a favorite moment in the story that isn't going to spoil it for people who haven't read it yet? You know what? I'm I'm glad you asked that, and I'll just I'll I'll give you the easy answer, but I think it's the true answer, which is that the opening scene where Billy Jake um, starts talking to Rachel about documentary film, and he's sort of got this, you know, he's a kid fresh out of film school, and he's got all these ideas about documentary filmmakers, and then she just there's there's one line in there where she just kind of puts him in his place and goes, you don't know that much, buddy, you know, in a in a sort of underhanded way and that's the opening scene and and that really sets off the con and that's what draws him in it's that one liner and uh from there he's hooked he's clearly attracted to her but it's more than that right and it's really just that she's a con artist she's a grifter she knows what she's doing and so i loved creating that that scene and I don't, and most people don't know this, but I worked at a film festival for quite a while in the programming department, which is basically where you select the films. So I spent a lot of my life talking about film and, and internalizing film ideas and ideas about cinema. And so this was a, a really cool way for me to, um, Billy Jake's like the penultimate film geek, you know, he's like the cinephile. 
And it's like, sometimes you just want to tell those guys, Hey man, just be quiet for a minute, you know, enjoy the film. <laughs> and uh, like, wow, you figured it out. What's going to happen. I was watching this, you know? Um, and so yeah. it, 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 it's like, it's like me, like taking revenge on all those folks uh, in, in a really weird way. So anyway, I remember sitting and, and this is a 1987 film. So for those who are going to scream about spoilers, uh, you had your chance. A great movie that I, I'm betting you liked, uh, Mickey Rourke's Angel Heart. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, Robert De Niro in, in a very scary role. Uh, but uh, I'm watching this movie in the theater, and I'm I'm, I'm like, well, I must have been 19 years old at the time. And I'm just digging it like crazy, like, you, like, like you're talking about, totally into it. And then somebody in the theater gasps and says, he's Johnny Favorite. And, and, and I hadn't figured it out yet, you know? And then there was another, there was a scene and it it was before the reveal. So that I was like, oh, geez, I would have got it from that. That would have clicked it for me. I could tell, but I didn't get the joy of getting to, you know, discover it on my own because it was, you know, spoiled for me. Yeah. And it brings up an important question. I think, you know, obviously with movie theaters closed right now, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, the book, I, f- I feel like that medium is is a place where you can really enjoy your own personal, I guess, epiphanies and revelations. Mm-hmm. But you really can, you know, and, and that's, I think for me, those are the joyful moments to, to storytelling and also um, engaging with other stories. And, you know, I, not to, not to, not to say that that joint experience isn't important because gosh, I was in a, the last Tarantino film, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, that's the one film where um, I saw it in the theater and, and the, the crowd reaction together uh, as a group at the end of that movie was uh, something astounding. I'm not sure I've been in a film. I've not, I haven't been in many films where a filmmaker has evoked that sort of emotion collectively. Um, and I learned a lot from that, you know, but, but also to do it on an individual basis with, with a reader is um, ah, it's just, that's why we make stories. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that people take things differently. They interpret them differently. And yeah. And in some ways, you know, it's so interesting because I think of a grifter song. I mean, it's, it's the type of series that you can easily see being made into a television series or mini series or, or what, what have you. Um, so in lots of ways, I think there's a real richness in literature, but um, the, the ultimate compliment, right. Is almost, Oh my God, I can see this as a film or I can mm-hmm. see this as a, as a television series. And I, I'm not sure how I always feel about that, but if that's the compliment I'm going to get, I'm happy to take it. Um, and I'm sure, sure you are as well. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I'd be thrilled. Uh, you know, I, th- I was, I was thinking of like, uh, some, of, some of the more spy oriented thriller TV television series, and there's any number of them, but a grifter song is, is one that you could shoot on, I think a lower budget in the sense of like, it is blue car collar in lots of ways. Right. Um, it's more authentic to true life. Um, and that's kind of how I tried to write my, my mm-hmm. episode as well. Yeah. You definitely have that gritty sense to it. Uh, you know, a grifter song is not oceans 11, you know, by any stretch it's, it's much more blue collar. The, these stories aren't, I don't want to say they're not feel good stories. They're not, easy stories right they're they're engaging they're different the forms they take different forms um so it's it's really interesting stuff yeah they're they're in the hard-boiled noir 
side of con stories. They're not, uh, like I said, not Ocean's Eleven or or that sort of thing. Uh, You've got another title uh, later in the uh, late spring or early summer coming out uh, from All Due Respect. Yeah, so I got a new uh, new book coming out from from All Due Respect, who I've worked with a lot. Um, the editors over there are incredible. Chris Radigan, Chris mm-hmm. Black. I think they're working with David Nemeth now um, and some others. So um, just just a great group of, I, I guess I'll call them bookmakers, uh, but not in the bookie sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my, my new one is, is going to be called To Bring My Shadow. It's my first uh, hard-boiled detective novel. It plays a lot with with familiar tropes. It's about a Catholic detective um, who sort of finds himself digging into the world of Santa Muerta and questioning his own faith. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, really, I'm there. Yeah, I can't wait till uh, to get that book out and uh, get another book going. But first one is the Rule of Thirds from the Grifter Song series, and uh, yeah, it's 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 just a real honor to have you know the words I'm writing actually be put out into the world and have other people. Um, read them and trust in them and and it's exciting stuff well i'm glad you came on board you did a fantastic job and uh uh, anybody who who wants to see if i'm telling the truth or not can pick up the rule of thirds on first of january it drops as part of season three and uh, just a little quick plug i guess if you uh, want to you can buy any of these episodes a la carte Uh, that's not a problem Uh, but if you subscribe you get a price break which essentially equates to getting one episode for free. And then you get another episode for free because you get the bonus subscriber only episode. And uh, I'll tell you that those are not uh, throwaways that, that don't have any bearing on the story. In some cases they cast a different light on some of the uh, main stories from the season. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with how that dynamic is working. So the rule of thirds uh, by Matt Phillips on January one, uh, Matt, it's been great to have you back on the show and I'm looking forward to seeing you at the next conference. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, Frank. I really appreciate it. And, and I really hope people pick up the books and, uh, and, uh, read the rule of thirds. I can't wait to get it out there. Well, there you are, folks, uh, Matt Phillips and uh, Grifter's Song, Episode 13, The Rule of Thirds, uh, as I lined out in that interview, uh, now available uh, individually or, or as part of the uh, season subscription, which is what I recommend. Of course, I'm not biased at all, uh, being that I created and edit and submit to that particular series. So take that with a great assault, I suppose. I do want to say thanks to Matt for coming on the show and to Down Out Books for sponsoring it. And uh, to you, the listener, as always, thanks for, for sticking with me and thanks for being here in 2021. Zafiro uh, News, uh, obviously a grifter song drops on uh, the 1st of January. That's pretty big news for me in the writing world. Uh, in a few weeks, my short story collection, Sure Got Low, will also be available. But this week... Uh, if you'll indulge me a moment, I want to share a little bit of uh, Zafiro news that's uh, on the personal side. Those of you who've ever read my bio will see that uh, at the end it says where I live and who I live with and points out that uh, I do live with uh, dogs, Richie and Wiley, and a very self-assured cat named Pasta. Um, unfortunately, uh, sadly, we had to say goodbye to Wiley uh, the day after Christmas. A uh, very good dog. We've had him for uh, as part of the family for 11 and a half years. Uh, he was a uh, rescue dog. Uh, him and his brother were litter mates, and they were just dropped off at Spoke Animal. 
Uh, those of you who have pets uh, who are part of your family will understand how difficult it was to see him struggling with some medical issues that were a little difficult to identify, uh, a few trips to the vet and so forth, and he was just more and more uncomfortable. Uh, we took him in the day after Christmas because it was just getting worse and nothing we did uh, seemed to help. Uh, luckily, the on-call vet uh, did a, a great job in, in figuring out what was happening, and he was able to provide him some temporary relief. Uh, but the problem wasn't going away, and the things were just going to go back to the way they were and, and get progressively worse. Uh, I won't bore you with all the, the details, uh, other than to say it was an aggressive form of cancer that was causing the, the symptoms, and, and it was not a good prognosis, no matter what choices we made. Of course, the only humane choice at that point was uh, to say goodbye to him. And I will tell you, I was a cop for 20 years, and I uh, did a five-year stint in the Army before that, and this is still one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Uh, some of you out there might kind of shrug, and others of you probably understand exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it was it was a tough thing. And uh, so why am I sharing this with you? Just because, uh, you know, in the midst of, of all that we do, um, you know, it's good to remember, I think, sometimes that these writers who come on, these guests who come on are people uh, who go through some of the same things that you and I go through, and, and, and we're all bound together in that way, I suppose. So uh, anyway, everyone grieves differently, they say, and uh, I guess part of my process is, is sharing this here on the show. Uh, so uh, I do want to thank um, uh, Matt for coming on the show and Down Out Books for sponsoring, and uh, you for indulging me here. I can promise you that things will be uh, as close to normal again next week. Um, but uh, as I sign off here this week, I think I'm going to do things a little bit differently and, and just uh, say that uh, I'm glad that Christy and I were able to make sure that uh, he was very comfortable at the end and that the last thing uh, he heard and felt was us telling him what a good boy he was and how much we loved him. So... If you can't tell, uh, I love that dog, and he made a mark on my life, and I'm going to miss him. <laughs>